Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. All right, it's good to see everybody here this morning. It's kind of cool when God already kind of to show up and he sets, sets the plate, isn't it? I don't know about you, God's already messing with me this morning. That's a good thing. Anytime God loves you enough, thank you, Chip, to, uh, to prepare your heart for what he wants to do, that's a good thing. So let me encourage you this morning, beloved. Be open. Be open to what he has for you. I really believe this with all my guts. Today is a day of freedom. Pick it up. Take your freedom today. Uh, as you know, we're in our series called Breakthrough, and uh, this morning uh, we're talking about what it means for us to move beyond our brokenness. We don't know what to do with broken things, do we? I remember back in the day we actually used to fix things, right? I mean, how many remember when you had shoe people that actually fixed shoes? What do you do with your bad shoes now? Hit the road, Jack. Don't you get right? Gone. TVs. I remember my father, this is how old I am, we had one of these TVs that was a piece of furniture that had tubes in it. You know what I'm talking about? I remember my dad going down to the radio shack getting tubes to fix the TV at the house. I mean, the TV weighed like 700 pounds. It was like an Egyptian, you know, stone that they used to build pyramids. You know what I'm talking about? We don't know what to do with broken things. We don't. We, we just don't know, you know, we don't, don't know what to do with them. And, and then we struggle ourselves with brokenness. I'm getting a little bit older now, and here's the reality of where I am in life. I can no longer do some of the things that I used to do. Now, my body is aware of that, but sometimes my mind has not got the memo. So I still try to do things, and, uh, and I can't pull them off. I remember a few years ago, I was, uh, I've always been one to work out. I was an athlete in high school and college, and um, I, I was having trouble standing and walking. It was the weirdest thing. I was getting pain in my back. It was the craziest thing. I didn't know what to do. I thought, ah, you know, maybe I just worked out too hard. Maybe I'm just getting old. But it, it got so uh, debilitating that I couldn't even stand. I could stand for about five to ten minutes at a time. That was it. So I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, hey, man, you know, we're going we're gonna to send you to physical therapy. So they sent me to physical therapy. How many have ever been in physical therapy? Those people are mean, right? And that wasn't helping, so then they gave me shots. They put shots in my back. I remember the first time I laid on a table, they, they're putting a shot by my spine, and the guy goes, now don't move, because if you move, we could paralyze you. And I'm like, and the needle's like, you know, that long, and I'm like, right. And after I went through all that stuff, I wasn't getting better. They took me in, and then they took a picture of my back, and MRI, and they go, oh, you don't have like a disc there. And I was like, could we have done that first? So I remember sitting with the doctor at this point, you know, I couldn't do what I'm doing right now for more than five minutes. I felt pain when I stood. I felt pain when I sat. I felt pain all night when I was in bed. I would crawl from the bed to the tub in the morning and let hot water get on my back just so I could function. It was awful. I remember sitting with the doctor. Again, I'm in my mid-40s, and the doctor tells me this. He says, these are your two options. He says, if you don't do anything... He said, uh, you'll be in a wheelchair probably in a year. Or we have to do back surgery. What do you want to do? And I'm like, uh. Yeah, Robin and I prayed, and we're like, well, we're just going to do the back surgery. And I, this, this, this thought had never occurred to me. You know, I'm 45 years old, 
and things that we take for granted, I can't do anymore. I thought of stuff like this. Am I ever going to be able to pick up a grandkid? My kids golf. Am I ever going to be able to swing a golf club? Am I ever going to be able to shoot a basketball, you know, and, and, and block Toby? Don't worry. That all happened. It's fine. So I went in for the surgery, and, and it was just, it was nuts. It was crazy. In fact, if you look there, that's actually my back. So you see that, that thing in there? And Dan, you have to explain this to me. I don't understand how they do this. That, that thing that's in my back now, it's a little cage. My surgery was eight hours long. They had to go through the front and the back because apparently I'm extra special. I don't know. They told me this. One doctor did the few, you know, he put the cage in and the other doctor moved all the parts and then put all the parts back. And I'm thinking, that's what I do when I take up, you know, part the lawnmower. Is that, that's a little scary. And they put all that in there and it was the weirdest thing. Um, I remember, you know, they gave me stuff to calm me down before they gave me the stuff, and that knocked me out. And I woke up, and I'm like, I'm ready for the surgery now. And Robin's like, you've been out for 10 hours. And then there was the rehab part. It took me about three months before I could even function kind of normally. And it took me probably a year or longer before I felt good enough to do anything. And then I remember the day uh, I talked to my doctor, and he says, you know what? He goes, I think you could actually maybe swing a golf club. This is a picture of me. The first day I swung a golf club right next to our house. And I swung it. There was no pain. I could stand. I could do all kinds of stuff. And I realized in that moment, you know, of all the stuff that I had in life, one of the most important things to me was to be whole again, physically whole again. And it's a testimony, you know, that I can even do the stuff that I can do. And somehow the surgery, it actually helped my golf game a little bit. I don't know how, I don't know why, but it worked. It's our desire to be whole. God wired you to be whole. Do you know that that's God's desire for you as well? To walk in wholeness, to walk in freedom. Matthew 5, 48 says this, but you are to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. Now, what's interesting is this. The Greek word there for perfect is teleos, which means this, to be complete and to be whole. So God speaks this over you this morning. He wants you to be perfect. He wants you to be complete and whole because he is complete and he's whole. Now, beloved, wholeness for us only happens when we allow the Holy Spirit to come and to heal the broken parts of our lives. All of us in this room today carry brokenness. All of us encounter suffering. Here's the thing. What you do with that suffering and brokenness, what you allow that suffering and brokenness to do in you determines your path of life. Pain can either destroy us or can develop us. God can use your pain and your brokenness to make you the person that he wants you to be. Here's the reality. God wants you to be whole. He wants you to be perfect. He wants you to be in freedom. He doesn't want you to be stuck. He wants your hearts to be filled with freedom. God's heart this morning is this, that you would experience complete restoration. For some of you, beloved, the enemy's taken too much. Today is the day that God gives you those things back, if you trust him. How does it happen? If you've got your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. It's a beautiful passage. It's a promise. A promise of what God wants to do in our lives. 1 Peter chapter 5, starting at verse 6, says this. If you bow low in God's awesome presence, 
He'll eventually exalt you. As you leave the timing in his hands. By the way, for some of you that are like nervous, you're like, man, what is my next step? What am I going to do? You know what you need to do? Get as close to Jesus as possible and let him take care of the details. So just take a deep breath and let it go. Verse 7, pour out all your worries and your stress upon him and leave them there for he tenderly, he always tenderly cares for you. Verse 8, be well balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion for its prey to devour. Verse 9, Take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kind of troubles that you endure. Now look at verse 10. This is our money verse. And then, after your brief suffering, the God of all loving grace, who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ, will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes, he will set you firmly in place and build you up. And he has all the power needed to do this forever. Amen. It's a powerful verse, isn't it? Not only is it God's heart to restore you, to build you up, but he has all the power necessary to get it done. These are not empty words. These are powerful promises that God's given us. So what is God's path for us to walk in freedom and to experience wholeness? First, remember this. God's heart for you is always restoration. God loves to bring back to you what the enemy has stolen. He's here to restore you, mind, body, and spirit. Don't forget this, beloved. The enemy is bent on your complete and total destruction. He hates your guts, and he hates everything about your life, and he'll do anything he can to hurt you. Why does he hate you so much? Have you ever you know, thought, well, I didn't do nothing to him. Why does the enemy hate you so much? You know why he hates you? Because you're an image bearer. You're made in the very image of God. And Satan can't hurt God, but you know he can hurt? Us. And when we hurt God hurts. The enemy does everything he can to mar the image of God inside of us. How does he do that? By introducing brokenness to us. By coming in. And, and again, even in the natural flow of life, you and I pick up things and we're wounded and all these things. And the enemy loves to take those wounds and to basalt those things and do anything he can to turn us from the creator. He loves to take our hurts and turn them against us. Because here's the reality. All of us have been hurt by people. Have you ever had anybody hurt you in this room? Not only have you been hurt by people, but everybody in this room, we have all caused pain to others. Do you know that in some people's stories, you're the villain? In some people's stories, I'm the villain. Now, I think I'm incredibly delightful. But some people don't share that sentiment. Pain left undealt with can change us. You can take your tender heart and make us callous, cold. Pain makes us isolate ourselves, makes us pull back. And we pull back from not just people, but we also pull back from God. Two things that harden our hearts as believers, two things that we have to be on guard for all the time, pain and pride. Pain will wreck you, pride will wreck you. 
Pain will make you pull from, away from other people because it hurts too bad. Pride will do the same thing. You pull away from people because they're not as good as you. And both of those things take our hearts of flesh and make them hearts of stone. I mean, think about this. Israel, the, relig the religious leaders, what hardened their hearts? Pride. Beloved, churches, our faith, when you start to take the warmth of the Spirit out of it and the understanding that we are all about grace and we understand that God saves us by grace and we start thinking we do all this stuff, then our religion, this thing becomes cold and stale and it dies. Pride. We want pliable hearts so that God can use us. So our brokenness affects us. It affects every relationship you have. Undealt pain affects everything. Your relationship with each other, your relationship with yourself, and even your relationship with God. So today, God wants to deal with the brokenness. He wants to heal you at the source. Some of you have been medicating the symptoms. You ever like go to the doctor, I got this bad cough. Well, let me give you a cough medicine so you can sleep. They don't give you cough medicine just so you stop, you know, you stop coughing. They give it to you so you can get rest, so your body can heal, so you can deal with the source. Don't give me stuff that deals with the symptom. I want to fix the source, right? You fix the source, everything else is taken care of. God wants to deal with the source. It's his heart that you experience restoration. Look at the passage again. It says it right here. Then after your brief suffering... The God of all loving grace who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ will personally and powerfully restore you. That Greek word for restore is a really neat word. It means this, to mend what is broken and to make complete again. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Wholeness. That's what he wants to do. God wants to mend the broken parts of you. He wants to restore you. How does that happen? Well, he shows us. This is what he does. This is God's game plan. He wraps his game plan about, you know, around two little words to start. And these are the words. He wants to deal with it and restore you personally and powerfully. Now, both of those are very important. Why? That means this. First, personally means this. God takes a personal interest in where you are and what you're going through right now. He is not a far-off deity. He is as close as the air you're breathing right now. He cares for you, and he's intimately involved in your life. Then he wants to deal with it powerfully. Again, I said it earlier, he has the power to change things. He is not a man. Don't give him those limitations. He can do anything. The Greek here for personally is, is autos, which means this, himself. It means this, God the Father himself takes a personal interest in your pain. Now, this should not be unfamiliar to us. All of us, how many of you have children? You know, how many of you have ever walked with your child when they have experienced pain? I mean, as a parent, you know, and you see your child in pain, it kicks something up into you. Uh, I remember years ago, you can put up the next picture. This is my peanut, Tori Lynn Harris. This, she was that small. She had that amount of hair for two years. Then she grew I remember Tori was, you can go to the next slide. I think it's a little, there you go. I just got to put that up. I'm trying to get them to recreate this picture. And I'm telling you right now, probably never going to happen. But wouldn't that be great? We should start like a thing. Recreate the picture. Recreate the picture, right? Wouldn't that be great? Look at you can just tell. Trouble right there. 
You can go, you can go to the next slide. The, the, Ty won't speak to me all day. Tori, even at a young age, um, I knew two things about Tori. I knew that, that one, that she, God created her to be a leader. We had prophetic words spoken over her. She's going to be a Deborah. She'll be a leader. Even on the playground, we'd have kids come up and go, um, um, Pastor TJ, um, I don't want to like, you know, tell about Tori, but Tori, she, she's, she's mean. I'm like, why, why is she mean? Well, she's organizing us, and we have to go over here. And, and she said we all have to get in the line. I don't want to get in the line because she's mean. I said, what are you trying to do? We're trying to go over here. and then, well, it's, the, it's the best way to do it, but I, I don't want to because she's mean. I knew this about Tori, too. She's one of the toughest little kids I ever met. We're out playing around. We had this little backyard, like, little set, little plastic set. And somehow, in the midst of our stuff, uh, Tori fell off of it. And, and, you know, you go, Honey, she's, I'm fine, I'm fine. She went about her stuff. And you could tell that, you know, maybe she got hurt, but we couldn't tell. She said she was fine. And, you know, she had incredibly high pain tolerance and didn't think anything of it. Then, you know, as parents, we noticed things. So over the next few days, we noticed that as Tori was doing stuff, she was favoring uh, her, her right arm. I say, honey, I said, come on, let dad see your leg. No, I'm fine, dad, I'm fine. She's real small. And then eventually, she was favoring it a lot. It got black and blue, it got nasty, and, 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 we, we ended up taking her to the doctor. We found out she had broke her arm. And she walked around with like a broken arm for like two weeks because she was fine. You know, even in the doctor's office, I still remember this. Oh, my gosh. I remember the doctor. Oh, and Dan knows where I'm going with this. Say, well, it's been two weeks. We got to make sure this thing sets right. So they had to like pull that thing out and almost like re-break it. And, you know, I'm thinking as a father, first, you missed this. How did I miss this? And two, don't you dare hurt my baby pain. Us natural parents, when our kids experience pain, we run to their side. We do whatever we can to help them. Your heavenly father has the same approach with you. Our God is moved by pain. Pain activates him. It brings him close to us. I can tell you theologically for three hours why pain has entered the world and why bad things happen to good people and all that stuff. But none of that really matters when your child is going through pain and none of that matters when you're going through pain. Here's the the long short of it. This is what you need to know. When you walk through pain, God walks there right with you. He does. Psalm 147.3 says this, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. This is Psalm 34.18 and this is one of my most, I don't know why, this scripture just captivates me. And this is from the voice translation. It says this, when someone is hurting or brokenhearted, the eternal moves in close and revives him in his pain. We want God to remove the pain. God steps right there with us. He plants himself right next to us. He says, sweetheart, give me your hand. We're going in together. And that's how he gets it done. He revives us in his pain. Pain doesn't make him afraid. Now that means this, God wants to personally Bring healing in your life. He wants to personally bring restoration in your life. But there's another part to this. He just doesn't want it. He is the power to make all this happen. He is the power to make you whole. But there's a catch. Here's the catch. If you want to experience breakthrough in your life, if you want to experience healing and wholeness and restoration, you have to trust God's process. You can't do it on your own. You have to trust him. You have to give him those broken things, those things that hurt, those things that maybe bring shame, those things that have followed you. You have to trust him with those things. And that's hard for us. Why? 
Well, those things that are painful, we're used to overcompensating. We hide those from things from people because we don't want them to cause pain again. We keep our pain from people in God. We overcompensate, right? Or those things that aren't super pretty are failures, our brokenness. We bury those as deep as we can. We pray to God that nobody ever reads those chapters that are in the book that is our life. God wants them both. He wants them both. He says, give me those things so I can bring healing to each of those areas. Don't hide them from me. Bring them to him. He is the source of restoration, freedom, healing, and wholeness. We sang about it today. But it's not easy because those things cause us pain. Um, we have, um, I don't know how this happened. I told you, you know, last week, my mother always wanted me to be a veterinarian. I did not follow in, those, in that call that she had for me. But somehow, we have like a house of animals anyway. And I don't know how or why. So, uh, you know, Ty and McKenna, just, they just rehabbed their house. They just literally yesterday, they, they moved from our place into their place. But before that day, we had five animals in our house. We had three dogs and two cats. So now we're back to two dogs and two cats. We have two dogs, uh, um, Domino and Jax, and they're, they're spoiled. Do you have spoiled animals in your house? Right? You can tell. Well, there they are. Right there. Domino's the one on, on this side. Jax is on that side. They're ready for Christmas. They're very excited. And, um, you know, they, we, we love them. And they're getting older now. Um, one day we, were, we set them out. We have this big, long, um, um, you know, uh, big leash thing because you can't let them out because they... they they run to freedom. Not Jack so much. He likes our, our couches and food. But Jack, you know, Domino thinks that there's a great world out there he hasn't discovered. And I have this philosophy with animals. If you want to leave, the door is open. <laughs> the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, unfortunately, I'm the only one in the family that believes that. So they're out looking for dogs and stuff. But one day we're in the house and, and I hear this one of the dogs is crying, like this high-pitched cry. We run out, and it's Domino. And we have this long, this like a steel cable like run, and it's covered plastic, and everything's great, and blah, blah, blah. Somehow he got tangled up in it. And then one of the little steel cable things got toward his hair, and it got matted in there. So every time he, he moved, it would pull his hair. So I go out there, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, settle down. And, you know, if you want to settle down an animal that's in pain, just, if you say just settle down, that'll calm him right down. Just like if you're having a discussion with your wife. Just settle down. It calms them right down. <laughs> Gentlemen, take that with you. Do whatever you need to do with that, man. And let me know how that works out for you. Toby's like, that might be a trap. <laughs> I remember going out there and, and picking up Domino, and it was in there really bad, and saying, take, trust me, trust me. And he's crying, and he's wiggling, he's trying to get away. I'm just trying to bring healing, and I know it's got to hurt, man. It's tied up in there really good, so Robin's holding him down, I'm holding him down. I end up getting the scissors, we get in there, and then we get, and he's screaming. And, and I, I mean, our neighbors must have thought we were sacrificing an animal in the backyard. It was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. And finally, I was able to cut the hair, and I said that thing, and he was fine. And his, his little heart, he was, he was breathing heavy. And I just held him and said, it's fine, buddy. It's fine. We're, we're here to help you. It's fine. We've never hurt you in 13 years. It's not our heart. You know, we're not going to start now. It's fine. Boy, sometimes the surgery hurts. But it's fine. 
It's necessary. And for us, like most of your faith, it comes down to one word. Trust. Do you trust God with your pain? Can you trust him with his pain or with your pain? So we know that it's God's heart for you to be restored. We know that he wants to do it personally, and we know that he has the power to do it. So what's the next step for restoration? What does God's process of restoration look like? I think it's similar to, a, uh, to what we do in restoration when it comes to houses and things. I told you, you know, Ty and McKenna have been with us because they've been, they, they bought a little, they bought a townhouse and they had to rehab some of it. It was a rental and it was pretty beat up. So we've walked through the process of, of restoration. Uh, they got in there and the first thing that they had to do in order to, to fix things and, get, and to sure things up again was to, was to gut things. So the process of restoration for us starts with, with the gutting. That means this. That means, you know, getting rid of all of those things that need to go. Getting rid of all of those things that, um, that are bad, that no longer can carry the weight, that are ineffective. For us, those are those broken things. We allow the Holy Spirit, now that we're new creations in Christ, to search us and to show us all of those broken things in us that he wants to deal with. And all of the brokenness, all of the pain... All of those things we then now place under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that means this. When you give those things to God and you place them under the lordship of Jesus Christ, that means this. You say, Lord, whatever you want to do with these things, I'm okay with. Jesus modeled this for us even in the Lord's Prayer. He talked about it. You know, when he was in the garden, he prayed. You know, Lord, if you get rid of this cup of suffering, that'd be great. He knew what was coming. But he said, but Nonetheless, not my will, but your will be done. When you lay your heart before God like that, you say, nonetheless, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Hey, if you could do this and there'd be no pain, that would be great. But whatever you need to do to bring healing, Lord, nonetheless, just do that. Do that for me. So that for us, the gutting starts when you present your lives to him. Not just the good parts. All of your lives. All of it has to come under the lordship of Christ. The good, the bad, and the ugly. All of us have ugly chapters to our stories. All of us do. Romans 12.1 puts it this way. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? To surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Surrender. So we lay our lives before God, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Where does that process start for us? You lay your past before him. You lay your pain before him. You lay your mind before him, how you think. You know, for years you've thought a certain way. When you become a new person in Christ, God changes the way that you think. And that's just not like, you know, how you see him. That's just not like how you see everybody else. That also includes how you see yourself. He changes the way you see yourself. Allow him to do that. Some of you still identify yourself by the old man. God wants to change that. Some of you still identify yourself with all of your lowest points of brokenness. God wants to change all that. Some of you see yourself 
on the other end of the spectrum. Pride. What are the two things that harden your heart? Pain and pride. All of those things we lay under the lordship of Jesus Christ. All of them. We do. So God starts with our mind and our heart. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves inside of us and he starts to rip out all of the lies that the enemy planted in your mind. All of those things that he put, even when you were a kid, he put in your mind and your heart and he starts to replace those things, the lies of the enemy, he starts to replace them with the truth of how God sees you, the truth of God's word. This is why it's important that we allow the Holy Spirit to dig out all those things of the old. You have to do it because if you don't, what you're going to do is you're going to build on broken foundations. And how many of you know that that never works out well? God wants you to be solid and he wants you to be strong. But sometimes we build on broken foundations. This is why even us as believers, seasoned believers, this is why sometimes we can deal with doubt and still struggle with fear and failure and pride. All of those things have a source. God today wants to bring breakthrough to the source. But you got to give him all those things. Breakthrough starts with surrender. Surrender looks like this. Um, okay, God, I've tried to do this enough my way. I'm not getting anywhere, so I'm going to give it to you now. Surrender looks like this. Well, I got this image I got to uphold, God, and I'm afraid that if I give you everything, it's going to mess with my image but I'm going to give it to you anyway because I want freedom. Some of you, God wants to bring you freedom and you're afraid to even take those steps because you're afraid of what people will think of you. What people think of you doesn't matter. The only one that matters is God. His opinion matters. Nobody else matters. Let those things go away. So this morning we surrender our failures. This morning we surrender the failures of others that have affected us. What is that? Forgiveness. We surrender all those things. We surrender. We give God all those things. Don't forget this. Surrender and repentance, they're the door to restoration. God, I give you all this. Father, I repent. Come, restore me, heal me. Let's just take a pause and practice that. Just shut your eyes for a second. What I want you to do is this. Talk to the Holy Spirit for a second and ask him, say, Holy Spirit, is there something in me that keeps me from being whole? Is there something in me that you need to gut out, that you need to dig out so that I can be free and move closer and deeper in you? And listen to what the Holy Spirit tells you. Now that thing, place that at the feet of Jesus. See him. Place that at the feet of Jesus. That may mean this. You, have, you may have to repent. Lord, forgive me for this. God, forgive me for this. That may mean that in this moment you may have to forgive. Father, I forgive them for what they did to me. I forgive them for what they said to me. Whatever that thing is, surrender says this. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And just lay that before him right now. Give him it. When you forgive others, you don't, that doesn't mean that what they did to you is right. What that means is you trust God with the solution to deal with them however he wants to and to bring you freedom.
I just feel in my heart right now for some of you, some of you are dealing with betrayal. You've had some of the closest people to you betray you, do things to break your heart. Could have been part of a marriage, could have been part of just a close relationship. Give that to God right now. Ask him to come and to bring forgiveness and to suck out the venom, that bitterness. Bitterness left unchecked doesn't just poison you. It poisons everybody else around you. Give those things to God and allow him to apply grace to you. Healing. 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 One other little side note here too. If you struggle with things, as we continue, you can look at me now. I lost like four of you. You're like in la-la land. If you struggle with things, we have a, a ministry that's perfect to help you walk through stuff. It's called CR. They meet every Thursday. Come, be a part of it, walk in freedom. It says, now after God brings healing, you know, to the source, his work is not done. It's not just about healing you and making everything, that, that, you know, everything fine or dealing with that, that icky part of you. That's just the beginning. God starts with, the, with, the, with, with healing and restoration, and then he moves you to the next thing, which is the rebuilding. It's not enough just to take, the, you know, to, to take out all the bad parts, but you've got to put in new parts again, right? Does that make sense? Look at the passage. The passage says this. And then after your brief suffering, the God of uh, allowing... The God of all loving grace who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes, he will set you firmly in place and build you up. He doesn't leave you just empty. He puts new things in you. So after you, you gut, you know, you're doing a building project, after you gut everything, you take it down to the studs, then you start to, you know, you look at the exposed walls and you remove all the, the bad stuff, you strengthen all of it, and then you start to rebuild. The goal of restoration is this, that, that thing that, that you're restoring is the best version, you know, that it could possibly be. If you're restoring a car, you want that car to look just like it did before, even better. God's heart for restoration for us is the same thing. He doesn't want you just to look good on the outside. God, just give me just enough so I look good on the outside so I can just, Lord, I just want to keep it together. God's heart is not that you just keep it together. That's not what abundant life is. It's not survival. Abundant life is abundant life. He wants you to be whole, anchored, and strong. Why? So that you can walk in freedom and wholeness for yourself and so that you can help others to be free. Our faith is more than just us. Christianity is more than just about you. We have a purpose, a job to do. God created us to do something. He saved us to save others. Not so that we can separate ourselves from those that need freedom the most. Why is freedom and, and wholeness so important? Beloved, when we fail to understand the purpose of freedom... We, uh, we turn inward, and our faith becomes about us. Our faith is more than us. Do you know that you've been set free for a purpose? This is what Galatians 5.1 says. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. Now what does this thing mean? 
What does this passage mean to us? What is the purpose of the law? I'm glad you asked because in Galatians it talks about what it is. Galatians 3.19 uh, says this. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people of their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was the promise. You know who that child was? Jesus. So think about this and follow me. The law was designed to show you your brokenness, your sin. The law could show you your sin, but only Jesus could come and he could deal with your sin at the source and set you free. The law made us aware of how far away from God we were. The law was strict and cold and pious and religious. We have to be careful that we don't lean toward the law. We always lean toward freedom. Jesus came not just to deal with our sin, but to reveal the heart of God to us and to bring us close. That's what he does. There's no more self-striving. There's only surrender. It's no more about all the things that you can do on your own. There's only surrender. That's what it is. We don't base the strength of our faith on what we bring to the table. It's about the work of the Spirit inside of us and through us. This is what the building up looks like. This is why Paul says again, don't get tied up in the slavery of the law. Why does he have to say it? Because our human nature leans us toward works all the time. Isn't, have you ever thought about this? This is nuts. We enter the kingdom through the door of grace. And as soon as we get in, we shut the door, we go, okay, now it's time to get to work. Right? And then the striving starts again. All of us are a part of that. I, I did the same thing. And understand this. Spiritual disciplines, that's not what I'm talking about. You need to be spiritually disciplined. You need to feed yourself. You need to pray. You need to seek the Lord. We start to move into the striving when you start to look at these practices and you start to separate yourself from others. When you say, well, look what I did today. If they did that, they'd be like me. We started to have intergalactic Christians. My dad used to, oh, he used to drive me nuts. Just to get a rise out of people. This is how he used to introduce himself all the time. He'd say, hello, my name is Tom. He'd say, I am a spiritual giant. And people go, oh, what do you do with that? He would do it just to disarm them. But there was like a little poke in there, right? We have to be careful. We don't, we don't you know, go back into the law. Freedom, freedom. Why does Paul not us want to get tied up with, with, with the slavery of the law again? Because our freedom affects our focus. It does. When we fail to understand that we're free in Christ by accepting him and by our surrender, we exchange again grace for striving. And we don't want to ever do that. Our faith becomes something that we've built with our own two hands. Now, don't get me wrong. You need to grow in your faith. You need to be a strong disciple that disciples others. But never, ever forget why you're where you are. It's by grace you've been saved. So nobody can boast. Grace. Freedom keeps our eyes on Christ. The law keeps our eyes on ourselves and our accomplishments and our goodness. Our best is filthy rags. It just is. Now, this is one of the reasons why I think one of the biggest attacks on the church today is to keep us inward focused. And 95% of our churches are inward focused. 
Do you know that the enemy is not afraid of a church that is focused inward? It could be 20,000 people. He doesn't care. He loves to keep us inward focused. He'll even be okay with us being inward focused and upward focused. It's when you're outward focused is when he gets nervous. Churches have got to be upward focused. Lord, what do you want us to do? Inward focused, God, what are you doing in me? Outward focused, what am I doing in the world? And you have to have all three. It's not enough to just have one of them. It's not enough to have two. You have to have all three. You know, it's kind of funny that, uh, that, that Jem said this this morning, but Matthew twenty two thirty seven, the verse that she read says this. You know, when they asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, you know, what's the most important commandment? Give us the best one of the 10. He said this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And look at verse 39. And second is equally important. Never say equally. You know what that means? Equal. I'm sure the Greek word means the same thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. It's funny. When you're in pain, when it's all about you, you focus here and then there, and we forget about this. But how many of you know that to God, this is a big deal? It is. It's a big deal. Christ restores us, and he sets us free so that we can be whole and so that we can help others. We pass freedom along. So today is the day that we take that step. We surrender our pride and our pain to God. We allow God to shift our focus from just being on us uh, so that we can, you know, be focused on others as well. It's the heart of God that you're whole. It's the heart of God that you're, you're restored. It's the heart of God that you're secure. It's the heart of God that you're strong and you're established. The more you surrender to him, the more you trust him, the more you allow him to heal you, the more you allow him to build you, the more you build you, the more you understand his heart. And listen, when you understand his heart, the more he can trust you with. We were watching um, Robin and I. Have you guys watched uh, The Chosen? We're, we're just starting season two. And, and Jesus has this great encounter with, uh, you know, the sons of thunder. How many of you saw the scene? You know, they're out in Samaria, and one of the Samaritans spits on them, and they're, they're all hot and bothered. And he says, man, he goes, God, he goes, he goes this is, you said we could have power. We need your power so we can destroy this entire place and kill everybody. Ah! And Jesus just looks at him. He's like, What? Is that what you think power's for? So you can wipe everybody clean? They didn't know his heart yet. What would you do with God's power? Who would you smite? That guy on the Grammys? Smite. What would you do with his power? He trusts you with his power when he could trust your heart. How bad do you want to know him? How clear do you want to be able to see him? This morning, the more you lean into God, the more you allow him to heal you, restore you, to make you whole, the clearer you see him, the more he can trust you with his heart, the more he can trust you with his love, power, and presence. Pain makes you do weird things. Pain distorts his view, your view of him and everything around you. Pain does that. Pride does that. Beloved, we need surrender.
as uh, we were in worship today, um, Dr. Dan gave me a word. I'm a planner. I'm a long-range planner. That means that my plans have plans. I'm out a year, five years, ten years. And one of the things that, that he spoke to me today was this. You know, God is going to take you forward. That, that five-year plan, you don't need to worry about that. God has the direction of all of those things. So receiving that word, I have a choice. I can either go, or I can embrace it. And say, Lord, this is your heart for me. This is your heart for Trinity Community Church. Let's lean into this. That comes with a step of surrender. Seeing him clearly. Restoration. Bow your heads. I think God gave us a little brief moment in the middle of our worship to prepare our hearts for this moment right now. It's time to be free. You've carried that pain too long. It's time to surrender and to lay all those things at his feet. He loves you. God wants the best for you. And he desperately needs you. He's looking for people that he can trust with his love, power, and presence. What will you say to him this morning? What will you say? This is what I'd like to do today. Um, I'm going to ask the ministry teams to come on up. And today we're praying for breakthrough. We're praying for healing. We're praying for complete restoration. If you need that today, come up and today you will be free. Now for some others of you, you just need to come up here at the altars, find a place to sit alone and work out these questions. Have conversations with the Holy Spirit and ask him, say, Lord, if we're going to head this way, man, I need to lay this stuff at your feet. Some of you have got these ambitions and some things, and I'm not telling you ambitions are bad. I'm just telling you right now, all of who you are has got to be placed under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Everything. Some of you have to come up this morning, spend some time at the altars, and just lay those things before God and say, Lord, I submit all this to you. Show me your heart. I want to see you clearly. So in this moment, I'll just, uh, I'm going to pray and I'll just release you to come and to pray, spend some time with God. Heavenly Father, we love you. We know that, Father, it's only in your will that we're free. You told us that he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. So, Father, this morning, we embrace the freedom that you offer. Prick our hearts. Set us free in your name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.